over to your house, which I haven't been there, because it'd scare you, okay, because our society's changed, you have to have manners. And uh, manners, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> manners, okay, all right. Um, and the only thing I got out of that class was that some of you do this so wrong in the manner, so it really taught. Because my wife, okay, she knows about those forks, she knows about those plate placements. You know, I'm looking at all the forks, and FYI, maybe because I'm OCD, the only fork I use is the salad fork, because I like the shorter one. Because you get that long one, you're jabbing your teeth, your gums, you know, whatever, I don't know. But the only thing I remember from that class is if you ask for the salt or you ask for the pepper, I'm supposed to hand you both because that's proper etiquette. That's it. That's all I got. Okay? <laughs> um, and most of you, when I do that, you're like, I asked for the salt, you idiot. You don't say idiot, but you're thinking it. And then I'm like, hey, I went to Bible college. I learned proper language. Okay. Uh, okay. So your, your, uh, your homework this week, I'm going to ask the question, how well-mannered are you? Obviously, the pastor needs some work, but we're talking about Christian manners, okay? And I want to give you your, your categories when you look at each uh, under the word manners that you can rate yourself, and I wouldn't show anybody else, okay? Are you a baby in those manners? Because, you know, a lot of times, baby and older people, they just do whatever they want, okay? Uh, biologically or physically, I don't know. All right, but... Um, are you a baby? Are your manners on the child level? Are they on the youth level? Or are they on the adult level? So how well-mannered are you? And you need to ask yourself those questions, you know. Uh, I don't even know where to go on if we were talking about physical manners today on what is considered bad manners in society. Uh, I, I have no idea, you know. I still think a lot of the stuff that we've learned is, are, is beautiful, th beautiful. You know, I haven't gotten down always opening the door for my wife. That, I mean, the car door going around. It's like, it's usually like, why are you not out of the car so I can lock it already? <laughs> anyway, you, you want me to go get your gas? Why didn't you get it on the way? And she got my gas the other day, which I appreciate that. And, and anyway, but I have no idea. I just know that being kind and thinking of one another, which we're going to get into, are always beautiful, good manners. Okay? So we struggle to know what are proper manners. I'm going to chase this rabbit for a minute, but if you haven't looked at 10 ways your phone is changing you, we, are, we need phone manners. Um, nothing wrong with your phone. It's a wonderful tool, but we're very, we're very rude with it when other people are around. I'm not saying you can't have it out if everybody's got it out and there's a break or whatever, but we've accepted in society that our phone is more important than the person that's in front of us. And for the gospel, isn't that person important? That's just a side note. But, all right, so we, uh, we struggle to know what the proper manners are. Are you going to rate yourself this week? Am I a, am I a baby? Uh, and, you know, am I a child, am I a teen or adult in this area of manners? And so you can choose to be ill-mannered. A lot of us would rate that in different ways now because it's all out the window. Uh, or you can be Christ-mannered <coughs> inside and out. Ill-mannered or Christ-mannered inside and out. So your action step today is use your manners. All right? 
Uh, no elbows on the table, use the right fork, no. Okay, let's look at our background here. Peter's talking to Christians, scattered, suffering. We know this because we're going through 1 Peter every week. He's telling them how to live. He's giving us these household codes on how to live. He starts with the government, and then he, start, then he goes with the employers, and you are missing out on Wednesday nights. You think this is, this is good. You are missing out because there's a reason that the recording is closed circuit, okay? And um, then we got into husbands and wives. You know, and now those of you that think you snuck by, well, I don't worry about the government. I don't have a job anymore, and I'm not married, so he's not talking to me. Bamo! Here it happens, right here. Like that, Bamo? Okay. Um, this is what happens when you have lack of sleep. Anyway, um, so specifically, he's talking about everybody. Now, this is where Peter's at. All areas. Inward and out. So let's look at uh, 1 Peter 3, 8, and 12. We're going to go back and unpack it. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or rivaling for rivaling, but on the contrary, bless for those, uh, bless to the, uh, to, uh, for, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whosoever desires to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. Oh boy, he's getting personal. And his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against all against those who do evil. Manners. So we're going to start with, the, and I noticed that I, I really do like what they're doing in the Sunday School books when uh, I was in... The class last week, I saw at the end it said head, uh, heart, and hand. And that's the process when we get God's word is we've got to get it in here. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And then we've got to get it to our heart, and then we've got to get it out in our actions. And So this first section that we're looking at are manners that deal with our head and our heart, who we really are. And they're manners that deal with those of you that know Christ the family of God. Because let's, if a family doesn't treat themselves well, why would anybody want any part of that family? See what I'm saying? Look at verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity in mind. Um, I stopped there. Notice he said, so he's saying, I've talked to you about all this stuff. Finally, all of you, believers. Um, I've been in churches that we had to reestablish unity, and, and I take Ephesians 3, 4 seriously. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why do we need to be unified as a body of believers? Because people are seeking true peace. It didn't mean perfect, doesn't mean we're not going to have issues, but there needs to be unity and peace there. It is our witness. It is, it is infectious and that people want peace and unity. I'm not talking about to go along and get along. We can celebrate our differences. And I'm tired of the lie of Satan trying to say we're not different. We're all different. And we have different personalities. And God recognizes that because God created that. And so he says, finally, he says, all Christians. And that word unity means harmony. And so, like, if we were to sing or to try to sing, we would all be in different areas of that. All right? But it's amazing how whether you have a quartet or a group of people, you take all those different voices, and they may have different parts, and you put them together, and it creates a beautiful song. That's the body of Christ. 
We are different but unified. Romans 6, uh, excuse me, Romans 12, handwriting's not bad. Somebody will tell me later, maybe my wife. I think it's 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Live in harmony. Live in unity. Having the same mind, being in the same Honda, one accord, okay? Uh, okay, same in spiritual truth. Things just to keep you awake or me awake, okay? Same in spiritual truth and beliefs and mind and message and value. One body, one mind, one Savior, Christ. This is why. This is the difference between cults. We have a lot of different denominations that are our brothers and sisters that we may have some differences on how we do practice, but if we get Jesus wrong, it's a cult. Jesus is not created. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died. He was buried. And he rose from the dead. If they can agree on that, we can have fellowship and we're part of the same family. Not because of me, but that oneness. That's what unifies us. One message, one values. And this is the problem we're dealing with in American Christianity in quotes. Is we're ignoring God's word. And a lot of God's word is pretty clear in what he thinks about stuff. And so we need to understand that. Believers are to live in harmony, holding, uh, holding to the truth, and they produce the inward unity of the heart. It's continuity. It's being one in Christ. It's abiding. It's singing the song of Christ in unison, in harmony. Isn't that awesome? So your first feeling, yeah, we're getting to it. Using your manners takes being mindful of unity. One of the churches I was in, the unity had been exploded. And it was getting ready for Ichabod, which to be written over it. And now that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord has left this place. And it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with God. But I had to have that purpose on, look, we're going to get unified. You know what we got unified behind? Look, I'm not going to argue with you. You're not going to argue with me. We're going to go to God's Word. Whatever it says, that settles it. Getting unified on the core things of God, His Word and Christ. And so we need to be mindful of unity. It's the witness of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. It's the song of Christ. And so being unified takes care. Look at the other part of verse 8. Because hey, at verse 8, yeah, pastor was thinking better. He could have just done the sermon on that. The, the meat's in there. But yeah, we're going to get some more stuff. Okay? So look at the next one. Unity in mind, sympathy. Being compassionate. Caring. That's caring for their mutual interests. That means sharing. That means being sensitive to the needs and emotions of others and feelings and being concerned for one another. And you know what? Most of the time I'm in my own world and you're saying, yeah, I can tell that today. No. Okay, but here's the deal. Most of the time, because of our selfish desire, we are in our own world. And I can't do this on my own. I could fake it for a while, but most, most of the time it's just like, you know, I'm in my own world. And this is why we need the Holy Spirit in us. This is why we need the Word, and this is why we need to be uh, aware that God calls us to care, to be sympathetic. This came, uh, this is uh, caring about each other. We rejoice when others rejoice. We weep when others weep. This is why do not forsake the assembling yourselves together even more when you see the day approaching, because it's not like things are getting better, and I'm not trying to be chicken little and the sky is falling. Jesus said these things are going to happen, but this is why we need to be sympathetic to people. The believers first and to the lost. 
How sad is that for the lost that they don't have hope and they don't have purpose and they're flailing? We need to be sympathetic. We need to, as Jesus, weep for Jerusalem. Your next villain, using your manners requires you to, requires you to be always compassionate, caring, sharing, one purpose to care. I need to pray this more, but God help me to see when I go out today. I don't mean, you know, oh, we can't see to drive. Spiritually see. <clears throat> Lord, man, you pray that prayer, you're going to see a lot of needs. And there's a difference between a want and a need. But you, the Holy Spirit will help you understand that. So we're called to always care. This is kind of this, this kind of compassion takes love. Look at the next part. Uh, brotherly love. Okay? That's Philos, where we get Philadelphia, and that's that family love. And then he goes on in a, a tender heart. Okay? That means uh, being generous at your heart, charitable. That means feeling deeply for others' needs. It's one thing to care, it's the other to really care. Now, what I'm trying to say is the definition of tender hearted is being open. A lot of us. Life, you know, life today, you know, everybody's trying to do scams more, you know, and, and everybody's got an angle, and nothing's really changed, but it's hard to be sensitive because especially in Christian life, there's a lot of people, I know it's hard to believe that they want to take advantage. But you know what? You need to follow the Holy Spirit when he says go, go, when he says stay, stay. But some of us have... Some of us have been like, well, I helped somebody, and I opened my heart to them, and they hurt me. Welcome to the club. What example did we look at two weeks ago? Jesus. It's not about what they did. It's about us focusing. Why does he say in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I decided contrary only in Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. Focusing on his suffering and remembering, guess what? That'll happen, but open your heart. How many pastors... It, it, it just it makes me sad. I've, I've known at least two pastors that one I served under. I was there, like I said, nine years, and I never was in his house till four years after I'd been there. What that said to me is, you've been hurt. You're not letting anybody in. The pastor are a place that another church, Heather and I, you know, and we haven't done it here, so don't get any ideas, okay? We love you all. We'll figure it out. We'd rather have you outside because our house is geared for outside, okay? Um, but we did these open Christmas houses. And I won't tell you that Heather made some really good stuff because when I put it on her, she's booby, okay? You can make it. Make it and bring it. We'll eat it. Okay, but um, it, it hurt my heart because when we did this Christmas open house, the people came in and said, we've never been in here. Now, again, I've got lines in privacy, and I, I have to understand what, uh, you know, I understand what is emergency and what's an immediate need because of the chaplain thing and what's long-term. And so I'm good at doing boundaries because we need to do that. But what that told me is that somewhere, somehow, those pastors, just using a pastor's example, use it the same way. I've been hurt. I opened my heart. So therefore, it's closed. You gotta get close enough to get hurt. Guess what? You're gonna get hurt. And the thing about it is, you learn, you go by the Holy Spirit, but you need to keep that heart tender. Aren't you glad Jesus did? So, tender hearted, generous, heartfelt compassion, kind hearted. Um, 
And Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Had to learn that one. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ in God forgave you. That's like when you decide you're not going to forgive, remember what Jesus did to you. There's your summary sentence. Being, being sensitive to others' needs um, uh, and meeting them where they're hurting. That means real forgiveness. That means real for, uh, companionships. That means brotherly love. That means the one love of a family. Using your next feeling, using your manners starts with the family of God. We need to love. You need to love. If a family, Jesus said in John, they will know you by your love. Why would they want anything we're doing if we're not loving each other, Christians? And this is why he starts there in our manners. If we're not treating, and I said it before, and I struggle with it, but you're only as Christian as you are to your family. Think about that. So loving takes, look at the last part of verse 8, a humble mind. Humble mind. Uh, Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. Oh my goodness. Other-minded, that humility means <coughs> other-minded. That means God first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be out of you. That means that your goal is for God to increase and for you to increase, decrease John 3.30. We need to be humble in spirit. We need to be humble in our mind. We need to be humble in action. And there's only one way, humility. And you know what? I think false humility is rampant in the American church. It looks like this. Don't look at me, but look at me. Look at my humility and what I gave, but don't tell anybody but, and, until I leave. Okay? Or that kind of thing. That's just being a Pharisee. And you know, as a recovering legalist and a recovering Pharisee, I understand that. And it's the false humility is a horrible thing. None of us are perfect, but the way I understand humility in my life is, who am I and why are you noticing me? I know that I'm nothing. I am nothing without God. And I don't even know why he uses me, but I'm thankful that he does and that he loves me. One way, humility. Humble in action. Humble in our mind. Humble in our spirit. So your next feeling, using your manners means we need to be humble. James 4 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will pick you up. We've all been there. Are you serious? I did that, but they're getting all the glory. And I have to spiritually kick myself in the butt and say, who cares? Why does it matter? Guess what? Bad people are going to get away with stuff because this is the only heaven they have. And Satan is the prince of this world. And we need to be more concerned with them getting right. Talking to myself, the spirit of humility, humble in spirit, humble in mind. Now we're going, those are your inward manners. Now, I always say this. We're kind of on the tail end of, I don't know if you've ever done raising children, but we're kind of on the tail end of it. And I was, I was talking to somebody that was right in the middle of it. And they were talking about, how their kids act at home, but then they act nice somewhere else. And, and a, a, a saying that I learned a long time ago is home is the lab. Think about that. Home is the lab. The lab is where you work it out. And you're hoping that that combination works so they act right in society. It, you know, uh, I could tell some stories, but I didn't get permission, so I'll be quiet. So, um, <laughs> okay, I have to get family permission. <laughs> 
All right, but anyway, and I don't always, but that, that would be a good story and I'd get in trouble for it. Okay, but anyway, home is the lab. You're sitting there every day with your kids saying, are they ever going to get it? And then, if you never watch the show The Middle, I think it's hilarious because it just reminds me of my family. And, it, and in one of the episodes, they, they, they can't get their son to do anything, and the other parents can't get their son to do anything, so they switch and try to suggest to the kids to do something, and the kids do it, you know? Why? Because they've learned outside of the home to act right. So the point I'm trying to get to, Peter starts with, get your heart right. Be humble, do all these things, and now here's how to act out in the world. Problem is, I figured out at 54 years old that I have a base that I'm normally kind of a kind person, and then I've learned how to do right, but now God, God's getting into me and like, I'm getting to that age where it's like, quote Larry every week, I don't care. Okay, <laughs> right, but, but I do care. We're going to get t-shirts, I don't care, Larry. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, but, but here's the deal. God's getting to my heart to realize, man, if I'm going to be nice to this person, it's got to come out of my heart. Holy Spirit, I just need your help, period. Getting to those heart issues. Peter starts with, where's your spirit? Where's your heart? This is to act right out in society. Outward manners in the world. That's what we're going to look at next. Look at verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil, or rivaling for rivaling, but on contrary, blessed for those, uh, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. You've got to be really careful about this. We are saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And he goes on in 10 to say we were designed for good works. We, good works do not save us. Good works do not keep us. Good works do not get us on a higher level with God. So I want us to be really careful when we look at this verse that we're not talking about a reward to be saved, to stay saved, or because we're saved. That it, it's just a reward. It's a byproduct when we, when we use our manners. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That first part in 9 says, Repay, don't return. And everything we're taught, everything, the show, all the shows we watch, and I love them, is that guy that you know he can take them out like that. And they keep pushing him, and they keep pushing him, and keep pushing him, and then suddenly... Oh, you start my family or something? It's like, yeah, he's on like Donkey Kong. All right? What's it saying here? What did Jesus do? Two weeks ago, his example of uh, whether you suffer or not, follow Christ. Don't you think God is better at repaying than we are? Don't you think he can do a thorough job and in the middle of it, he can give grace in order that that person might come to repentance. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. I try to do this. I'm not, I don't want to hand people ammo. I don't want to go back. And I mean, I'm fine with asking for forgiveness. And I'm fine with saying I'm sorry when it's an accident. And you know, if I don't have to, that's a good thing. And so a lot of times, go in Romans 12, 17, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
kind of better to do what God wants and use your manners than to go back and say sorry or forgive me. And if you do, if you've done wrong, do that. Keep a short accounts. But he's saying there in Romans 12, 17, give thought to it. Your family, with your Christian family, with outsiders. I, I am not concerned about the name of the church or the denomination I'm in or the fact that I'm a pastor. I am concerned that I am saved by the grace of God and did I hurt my witness for Christ or did I help it? So we got to give thought. Now, society will say, well, don't talk about anything then because everybody's against anything Christian. Well, that's not going to fly with me. But I don't have to start there. I don't have to go there. I am called, oh no man, anything but to love. For the one that loves has completed the whole law. Love people. Honor people. Give an answer and a reason for the hope that you have. We need to give thought. And boy, it's hard to give thought when you're on the phone with customer service. And I'm not trying to put anybody down if they speak differently and I'm getting older. But I have to constantly think of, okay, I'm being a butt on the phone. And they may never meet me again. It's like, how's my witness? Need to give thought. Why are we still here? That our manners show the manner of Christ. And boy, I don't know what the stats are now, but most people cannot tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer. Saved by grace, but we're designed for works and we're reflecting something. Evil. Wickedness, reviling, insulting. Luke 6.28 says, Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Really? Bless those that curse you, pray for those that abuse you? 1 Corinthians 4.12 says this, We labor, working with our hands. When reviled, insulted, we bless. And when persecuted, we endure. And I can do none of that on my own. I have to lean into Jesus and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Bless, that means to praise, to celebrate, to invoke a blessing. I won't, I won't get into that now, but Israel, Jews need to recognize Christ as Savior, but the nation of Israel and Jews are blessed because God chose for them to go through it. doesn't mean they're saved. But I want you to understand, go back to Abraham, the power of blessing. And those that would, would treat Abraham right, they were blessed. And we as Christians have been blessed to be saved, and we need to bless others. For them to ask the reason for the hope that we have. You are blessed in your salvation. You are blessed with the Holy Spirit. You are blessed to be eternally secure so we can bless others. We need to bless and not curse. We need to forgive. We need to call. Uh, we are called and invited to do that. Um, because we've been blessed, forgiven, saved, and secured. And we, we are blessed to be a blessing. Your next fill-in. Using our manners means to endeavor to bless. Didn't say enable. Don't know what that's going to look like, but a blessing could be, yeah, I want to tell you how the cow eats the cabbage. We're going to get into the tongue here in a sec. But I'm going to be quiet about it because I want to bless you and not curse you in my words. I didn't mean cussing. I'm just saying we can curse people a lot in our language. A key component of this is with our speech. Oh, man, he gets into that, Tim. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
Oh my goodness, there's just a lot of stuff. I'm not even talking about cuss words because the American language, I'm glad I grew up speaking English and that's not racist or anything because if I was coming from another country, good luck learning English because we keep changing what words mean and we keep add, adding new words. And so, so some may be cuss words to one generation and they're not to another. And again, we need to be mindful of each other. But we're talking more about how we can, you don't have to be cussing to sing somebody with your mouth. And I encourage you, if you want some homework, go to James talking about the power of the tongue. And you know, when those words get out there, whether you get forgiveness or not, they're out. <clears throat> this is why we need to take thought of what we say. Um, so he said, whoever desires, whoever intends to live a, a, a godly, loving life, a, a sacrifice like Christ, you need, um, and to see the good days, it's not like the fact I didn't hold my tongue so I'm not saved, but, you know, if you can't hold your tongue, it might be an indicator of you're in rebellion or you've never been saved. That's just one thing. Uh, you go to the list if you're a gossip, a homosexuality, they're all listed in there of outward signs of somebody's never surrendered to God. I'm not saying you don't struggle with those things, but if you're known for them, you might check that you never made a decision for Christ. Absolute. It, so he's saying, hey, you desire love. Live a good life. Oh, here we go. Restrain. Keep your tongue, your language from bad, wicked things, from evil. Well, I didn't say anything bad. There's so many times, oh man, I cannot be around sarcastic people in a group of people. And then if you start laughing at me, it does not work. If I'm, This is the combination, lack of sleep, being around other sarcastic people that get what I'm saying, and then people that don't, that are laughing at it, I've got to exit stage left, or wherever, I, I, stage, okay, whatever. You know, I want us to understand why did I have to learn Matthew 12, 34? Out of the bones of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because I was, in my passive-aggressive way, I was saying mean things in a funny way. And I had to look at my heart and say, you know, it's probably better to just shut up. If Proverbs says, even a man that keeps silence is considered wise, now you know because I've been speaking. Okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't say it wise. Only in Christ. But this tongue thing, we need to not speak evil. We need to speak truth. And, the, and Jesus is the truth, and we need to speak that. But so many times in our language, we're doing into windows or in our inflection, we are, um, we are, our attitude. We might say, yeah, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Do you don't think that person that you answer to could figure out you don't want to do it? We need to communicate. We need to bless with our words. Using our manners means, your next one, restrain your tongue. And you know what? 1 Corinthians 10, 12, there, uh, 13, uh, therefore the one who thinks, uh, well, 12 says, therefore the one who thinks he stands take a heat lest he falls. And then 13 talks about God provides a way to escape. You need to figure out before you get in that situation Okay, I know this person's going to cause me to say something. I need to shut up and get out of there. Or I need to hold to what I'm going to say. A good deep prayer of the Holy Spirit. 
It doesn't end with our speech, but it continues. Look at verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You need to avoid things that are harmful, things that are wicked. You need to go to things that are useful, that cause joy for everyone, that are excellent. You need to desire the pure things, and you need to desire the peaceful things. And if you're trying to find the pure and peaceful things by the world's definition, please don't. You need to write this section of Scripture down. It's Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9. No, it's Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9. Whatsoever is. You need to camp there, and you need to make a list of those things that are personal to you, and those are the things that you need to communicate. Those are the things that you need to follow. Those are the things that are pure and that we need to be about. Because if you're going by society's definition of pure and peaceful, they're not of God. Receive a, to obtain to receive a blessing, that's the goal, to live in peace. And a, a pure, perfect peace. Reaping the blessing of peace whenever we, whether we suffer or not. We can depend on the blessings of God. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. There's a reason and result of our manners. Look at verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against, against those who do evil. God sees. God hears. And if we don't follow him, our prayers are, again, hitting the ceiling. And you could go to Matthew 6.15. If you refuse to forgive others, your Heavenly Father will forget, won't forgive you. And that doesn't mean you're not saved, you're not growing. And I go back to how you're going to look at yourself this week. Are you a baby in your manners? Are you a child in your manners in each section? Are you a youth in your manners? Or are you an adult? I think we should aim towards maturity. It says that clearly. God turns away. Uh, God, but notice what happens when we're not like this. God turns his face from the wicked. He had to turn his face from Christ when he took our sin upon him. But what we need to do is we need to turn our face in repentance to him. And he will meet us where we're at. When we choose not to live in and use uh, the manners of Christ in our life, we choose not to be in a pure relationship with Christ. Home is the lap. We need to follow the things of Christ. Your last villain, we use our manners because we seek the Lord's blessing. Again, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. But man, a lot of us are doubly blessed. A lot of us are blessed by, it's not that society is going to treat us right, but you know the things that you following God have blessed your life. And we're talking about eternal blessing. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to hear? I mean, all I want to hear from Jesus, there's my friend, Russell. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Seek the Lord's blessing. This is the problem. We're seeking what we haven't had or what we've had. Whether a parent wasn't there and, and never gave us love or a teacher or a spouse or whatever. And we just chase after that carrot that we're never going to reach. Guess what? Lay it down. And, and Romans 8 one says there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I want to love people, but I've realized that if I'm chasing after people, I cannot be God's servant. Seek his blessing. Seek his peace. Whether, whether you suffer now or later, depend on the blessings of God. So today, this week, your, your homework 
I want you to look down there and am I a baby? Am I a child in this? Am I a youth in this? Am I an adult? The baby would be like, I'm, all, I'm uncontrolled. My diaper's full. The child is like, I kind of want to do right, but I still want to run here. The youth is like, I can take you. I know what's right, and I don't know for sure if I, if I want to do it, but I'm really conscious and I'm struggling with it. And the adult is like, yeah, it's time to put myself away. And not away, but it's time to put self aside and follow God. Now, I'm not saying all adults do that. I'm talking about the definition of what we're talking about in our godly manners. Church, how unified are you? I feel we're pretty unified, but pastor can going to be full. How compassionate are you? How's your love for your family of God? Because if it's not good, it won't be for others. How's your humility? Are you blessing others? And how is your tongue? Baby? Child? Youth? Adult? And whose blessing are you seeking? As we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, how well-mannered are you? I'm talking about your physical manners. I'm talking about your heart manners and, your, and what that produces as a Christian. We have an altar here, and I encourage you to come and pray, or if you need to talk to me, or whatever you need to do, use your manners. And I'm talking about the manners of Christ. Lord, I ask that you speak to our hearts and we'll be obedient to you today. In your name, Jesus.